The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN at Kansas City, Sterling Holmes live in studio on a beautiful hump day. Dylan Michaels behind the glass. Dylan, how are you? Always good, brother. How about you? Tired, full. You know, there's a good thing, should I say a great thing, and also a horrible thing about living in Kansas City, is that barbecue is so easily accessible, like just incredible barbecue. You're saying, Sterling, how is that an issue? Well, I constantly find myself eating the most absurd amount of barbecue before I have to go on air. Now, let me tell you something. Barbecue's great. You know what's not great? Trying to talk for an hour after eating said barbecue. You know what I want to do right now? I want to lay down in a bed and take a fat nap. I am in a food coma. Did I potentially get the rocket pig from Joe's? Yeah, I did. Was it outstanding? Yes, it was. Was it worth it? Yes. Am I struggling? Also, yes. Have you had the rocket pig pig yet at uh, at Joe's? No. Nope. Dude, it's good. So what is it? what is it? So I, for one, am typically a traditionalist when it comes to barbecue, but every once in a while, once every three months. I'll, I'll sway from my normal traditionalist viewpoint, and I will get something like the Rocket Pig. Pulled pork, pepper jack cheese, fried jalapenos, fried onion straws, a like sweet, spicy glaze on it, and then a little bit of uh, um, some like homemade spicy mayo. It's fire, but it's a lot. And my dumbass, Dylan, decided to get the jumbo size. Tell me why would I get the jumbo size? Do I look like a dude who needs to eat a jumbo size amount of food? No, I do not. Don't answer that, okay? Yet here we are. Some news around the NFL. Uh, One, Kareem Hunt is returning to the Browns, and what I saw is a one-year deal up to $4 million. This is coming in the wake of the season-ending injury to Nick Chubb. Again, that Chubb injury was absolutely devastating, horrendous to watch. I feel for him. But Kareem Hunt's now going to team up with Jerome Ford. According to the head coach, Jerome Ford is still supposed to be the starter in Cleveland. Uh, Hopefully he is because my fantasy football team decided to pick up Jerome Ford very, very early. Spent a lot of my waiver cap money on him. So let's hope it's Jerome Ford, not Kareem Hunt. We'll find out. That remains to be seen. Now, some news about the team the Chiefs are playing on Sunday, the Chicago Bears. Uh, Braxton, Braxton Jones, uh, is now placed on the injured reserve, meaning he's going to miss his upcoming week 
in at least the following three games. Braxton Jones is the starting left tackle for Chicago. He is a second-year guy. Uh, actually had a very nice year last year, a little underrated for the Chicago Bears. This is a devastating loss for the Bears who have just a plethora of absurdities surrounding this organization. Um, you know, there is so much going wrong in Chicago right now. Quarterback, defensive coordinator, and now an injury to Braxton Jones. Should be a great day for the Chiefs pass rush. Chris Jones, George Carlotta's FAU, Mike Dana should be licking their chops. This is a banged up, banged up, Already not great, but a banged-up Bears offensive line. Justin Fields, as we know, not afraid to hold him to the ball a long time. Chiefs defense should be electric. By the way, I see Brantz on Facebook Live says, made sure to pick up Chiefs defense this week. Uh, I did too. If you're a fantasy football guy, I'm bought in, not being a homer. But the Kansas City Chiefs against the Bears without their starting left tackle, sign me the hell up. You better believe I'm streaming the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Uh, Other news. Don't know if you heard this one, Dylan, but Justin Fields points to coaching for his robotic play. That's what you want to hear, right? Yeah, you've been just brutal your entire time in the NFL. You have a horrendous game. Hey, Justin, what's going on? Yeah, I've been robotic, not playing like myself. It's what I've been coached to do. Coaching, I think. Are you serious, Justin? He wanted to backtrack a little bit because I'm sure his agents got in his ear and said, hey, you know what we don't do as a starting quarterback, the C of a franchise? Let's not throw the coaching staff under the bus. You know, you're not playing well. If you want to keep your job here, if you want to be the guy next year and for the future, hey, maybe don't take out all your frustration and blame the coaching staff. Maybe take some accountability guy. He backtracked a little bit, but I can't believe that. And by the way, I think Bears fans would love him to be robotic. Let's be real now. He's been cheeks. He's been buns. He's been two scoops of ass. They would want him to be robotic. He goes, I've been robotic. I'm not playing like myself. Then who have you been playing like? No one else in the NFL plays like that. Maybe Zach Wilson. He's been bad. He's been horrendous. And then blaming the coaching staff. I get it. I understand the coaching staff of the Bears. They've been bad. Are they the only organization in the NFL to not have a 4,000-yard passer in the history of their uh, of their existence? I think it's only the Chicago Bears, if I'm not mistaken. So I get it. There has been some coaching issues surrounding this team. But as the quarterback... You get that C in your chest. You don't take a shot at the coaches. Justin Fields says he hopes to alter his approach against the Chiefs so he can play more like himself. Going on to say, my goal this week is to just say F it and go out there and play football. I know how to play football. That includes thinking less, just going out there and playing off of instincts rather than say so much stuff in my head, so much info, data, just literally going out there and playing football. Going back to it's a game and that's it. What I find fascinating, he has been, I, I gotta find, I, I don't know if I have a stat in front of me, let me see if I can look it up. Either the worst 
or second worst quarterback in the NFL when blitzed? Steve Spagnuolo loves to have these design blitzes, and the Chiefs defense was the eighth as far as blitz rate in the NFL heading into week three, right? Spags is going to have to dial that back. On your uh, passing note, you are correct. The all-time single-season passing leader for the Bears is Eric Kramer with 3,838. How long ago was that? And that was, oh, come on, give me, oh, 1995. About 30 years. Yeah. You know, it's not. That was actually like. Impressive. That was like 5,000 yards. Yeah, back back then, then, yeah. yeah. NFL's exploded. The Bears' offense is stuck in 1993. I mean, it is incredible. 1993 would be an upgrade. It's impressive how bad they've been as an organization, but again, Justin Fields doing himself no favors. But if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, again, don't blitz Justin Fields. He's horrendous when teams don't blitz. You might say, why? Is he he, um, good at beating pressure? No, not necessarily, but he's even worse when there's no pressure coming. He will overthink it. Justin Fields will try and overthink it, try to make a play, and you have seven guys in coverage you're rushing for. I like those odds. Fields so far this year has done nothing with his legs. He had three rush yards last year or last game, albeit he did have a touchdown on the ground point is until he shows you and the Bears show you and the the organization shows you they're going to actually use him as a runner like they did where he actually does fit in best you can have a spy if you want but is he really going to take off we haven't seen him this year the Bears are trying to force him into becoming a pocket passer clearly Justin Fields is not a pocket passer like Lamar Jackson who, by the way, I think is a better thrower of the football than a lot of people give credit for. I'm not saying he's Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, but but I, I do think Lamar is typically a better thrower of the rock than a lot of people think. But what do the Ravens do organizationally? They still build the offense around his strength. They still have designed runs and let him run. They try and get him outside. The Bears have a guy who's a really good athlete, a great runner of the football, But, quite frankly, he does not have the same arm as even a Lamar Jackson. And yet they want him to be a pocket passer. Of course there's going to be a disconnect, and of course they're going to be bad. My one concern is, Dylan, maybe I'm thinking just galaxy brain here. The Bears are going to say, screw it. They have so much dysfunction going on. (laughs) Justin Fields is going to run the ball 20 times on these designed runs. I don't know your thoughts here, but with the Bears being this bad, it almost makes me more nervous because every little thing is going against them. Everything. Coaching. Coaching staff. Philosophy. Quarterback. Then offensive line injuries. The Chiefs should dominate. Should dominate this game. And yet there's a little, I don't know, 2%, 3% of me that says, Sterling, remember when... The Chiefs had everything going against them. The Packers were undefeated. And Kyle Orton, former Bears legend Kyle Orton, got the dub. 
Football's a finicky sport. It's any given Sunday. Even when teams are atrocious, team that you should beat by 21 points, you can't take it lightly. And I don't think the Chiefs will take the Bears lightly. Uh, there actually is some injury updates heading into his upcoming game. Uh, there's This is per Andy Reid. Richie James has a knee-slash-MCL injury. Isaiah Pacheco has a hamstring contusion. Kadarius Toney has a sprained toe. Nick Bolton has a sprained ankle. And then Willie Gay Jr. has a quad contusion. Uh, Bolton and Gay did walk through but did not practice. And then Richie, Isaiah, and Kadarius are, are not working at all. Um, according to Andy Reid, he says most of them are just day-to-day. Richie James might be a little longer. Richie James obviously had a brutal drop on that punt return, although I will say I don't completely blame him. It wasn't a case of he just dropped it. It was a case of he lost the ball in the sun. You know, he he thought the ball was going right there, and then there was that huge glare of light just blinding him. Like an outfielder in baseball, you're going to have that. When, when that happens in baseball, you're not typically saying that guy's an atrocious fielder. You're saying, well, that was unlucky. Sun got in his eyes. Richie James is going to be fine in the punt return game, but this injury does have me a little worried. Dylan, I want to hear your thoughts. Who do you think gets the first crack as the punt returner if Richie James is going to miss Sunday? Uh, I think Justin Watson said he could do it. Um, I would think maybe him. Sky Moore? Anyone? (laughs) Anyone? Mueller? Probably not. Then I'd probably say after Justin Watson, maybe... I don't know. Pacheco? No? Well, he's kind of banged up, too. Yeah, he is. You know, I, I, my, my thought process here is that if Richie James can't go, because according to Andy Reid, basically all the other four guys I listed sounds like they're day-to-day, whilst, although I will say day-to-day in Chiefs Kingdom is a little more finicky than uh, other day-to-days around the NFL, apparently. That will never not be something that gives me cause to pause. Whenever the Chiefs organization says day-to-day, I automatically think the worst. But if Richie James is going to miss Sunday, I think you nailed it with Justin Watson. But what I will say is during OTAs and training camp, the punt returners were Richie James, Amir Smith-Marset, who is now the punt returner and wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, and Rasheed Rice. Rasheed Rice was actually getting some work as a punt returner. But what I will say is Rasheed Rice had the same issue as Sky Moore with not being able to catch the football. And I don't think the Chiefs want to try and mess with the psyche of another second-round wide receiver who is a rookie. So I think Justin Watson gets the first crack, and if something were to happen, I have zero idea the way they go. Maybe it is Rasheed, maybe it is Sky. They just have to sit, they have to bite the bullet and say, maybe no one, throw back uh, Prince Tegumanogo back there, see how his hands are, just fair catch the ball. But I, I would have to imagine that Justin Watson is going to get first crack. What do you make? Of Justin Fields throwing the coaching staff under the bus. Uh, I mean, it's just what I kind of thought would happen. I just didn't. I, he's kind of your prototypical Ohio State quarterback, and he's Terrell Pryor Jr. in my mind. So <laughs> I, I never really thought that there was any chance, or you know, I, I just 
ever since he started patting the football, I knew it was over. Mm. It wasn't going to work. You're saying the Bears should have kept Trubisky. I think the Bears. <laughs> Pro Bowler. I don't think Trubisky. the Bears should have traded that number one overall pick. They should have gotten a quarterback and, uh, and traded. Or, you know, he could have played wide receiver I, like I, Terrell Pryor. But I, that's basically his ceiling. I don't know if you said this. I know I was a fan of keeping the first overall draft pick and drafting a quarterback unless you are 100% convinced Justin Fields is the guy. And Hey, maybe they, the, the Bears were. Maybe the Bears were completely 100% convinced that Fields is the guy. My thought process was, even if you have an inkling, 10%, 20%, whatever it is, that, that, that you know what, Fields might not be the guy. How often are you going to get the first overall draft pick? Uh, next year. You think well. it's going to be worse than, than Arizona? I don't well, think so. And they might have actually gotten a better like shake out of the deal. Because you get Drake May, you could get Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. I, 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 I get that, but you got to get 1-1 one, one for Caleb. Right? You have to be 1-1 one, one to get Caleb. Right. Who's going to be worse than... Arizona. Them? Okay, but who's going to be worse than them besides Arizona? So then you get, then you get Drake May. You're right. It, is Drake May better good. than C.J. Stroud? Who knows? But We don't know. He's good enough. My, my, my point is, you're not guaranteed to get that 1-1 one, one or 1-2. One, Houston might not be very good either. I think Houston's an improved team. They're not taking a quarterback. Right, but what if they what say. if they trade out of that spot with a different team who needs a quarterback? Well, then make it you as the Bears with all these. And then you have you to got. get back. I know you're I trading know, away all the draft capital that you I'm received. Your, I'm in your boat yeah. too. I'm just trying to be positive for the Bears. They have a there's lot no positivity going on. I, yeah, they uh, basically. They just made a bad decision, and they can actually still potentially be better off for it because if they would have taken sure. a quarterback last year, I think they'd rather have the crop this year if they can still get in the sure. top two. But you're right. It doesn't there's no guarantees that they don't fire someone or maybe replace Justin or something happens and they end up winning four games or five games at the end of the season because you know, win one for the, the Gipper kind of deal. Sure. And the, the Texans did it last year. Yeah, they did. And they fired uh um, so fired him, yeah. yeah. Lovey Smith. Love you, Smith. But but what I will say is, to me, it worked out for the Texans because I, I like C.J. Stroud better than Bryce Young. Um, and so far through two games, again, tiny sample size, C.J. Stroud looks much better than Bryce Young with worse weapons, quite frankly. Better offensive line. I, I, I do think Houston hit with Larry Tunsil and just Dalton Schultz. They, they, they've built it something down there in Houston. Still, they don't, He doesn't have a... Even an Adam Thielen, you know, he, they, they don't have this veteran guy, but he's making the best out of nothing down there with Robert Woods and uh, Tank Dell. But when I look at what the Bears had the opportunity to do, they had one one. They believed too much in Justin Fields, and the repercussions are drastic. Again, it's a sunk cost at this point, so there's no going back. You know how I love when people like people always say. You know, the Chiefs could have had T. Higgins instead of Clyde. They could have had D.K. Metcalf instead of McColl. My, my, my pushback is always, okay. And they could have had Mitchell Trubisky because the Bears could have drafted Patrick Mahomes too. The Chiefs could have drafted Deshaun Watson. The Chiefs could have not gotten LeJarius in the fourth because someone else got him. There's always a look back in disdain about a certain pick. You always hear about the misses. Very rarely do we talk about all the hits that teams have. 
And the Bears missed on the biggest one. Sure, the Chiefs didn't get T. Higgins instead of Clyde. I mean, I think there's a lot of people here that uh, would have taken T over Clyde in the in the moment. Regardless, it's a sunk cost. There's no going back. Because the Bears had this exact same situation going on with Trubisky. And I think you might look back on a smaller scale and say, hey, they had 1-1, and they chose to keep Justin Fields. Let's take a quick break. Let's come back. I had a chance to sit down and talk with Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry yesterday. We're going to play the interview right after this. Homestretch, ESPN Kansas City. WHB Sterling Holmes joined now by Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry. And as always, Nick Lowry is presented by El Bandito Yankee Tequila, the absolute best tequila out there on the market. Make sure you stop by your local hy V to pick some up. Nick, how are you? I'm good. I think we may look back on this weekend's game as maybe the most important game of the regular season. Uh, you know, every game, every week is important, but I have to tell you that we do deserve to give a toast with El Bandito Yankee Tequila to the entire Chiefs team, but particularly to the defense. And frankly, Chris Jones and George Carlotas, Dana, the whole pass rush against the rising quarterback in the NFL, certainly if he's rising, poor old Joe Burrow is falling, poor guy with his calf, but you know, that's a darn good team that almost beat us in the playoffs, that had a spectacular comeback the week before in the playoffs at home, and yet we resurrected ourselves uh, knowing, perhaps, that statistics may not matter, but when it's 11% that your chances uh, of making the playoffs after you've lost your first two games, this team resurrected itself and showed exactly why Patrick Mahomes, the threesome of Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey are absolutely crucial. But, you know, the defense deserves tremendous, tremendous applause for how they've come together. We're only averaging, even without Chris Jones in the first game, 11 and a half points allowed by the defense. So, I'm I'm excited because if our defense can continue to play, because normally they don't get going till the eighth, ninth, tenth, twelfth game, uh, hitting that that and also frankly our offensive line really hasn't gelled usually till later. So uh, I, I'm feeling pretty good at this point. Um, Patrick Mahomes uh, showed and this team showed it can find a way even in a close, low-scoring game. So. Good stuff. Yeah, I would love to ask you your thoughts on the sustainability of this defense. Of course, in the Patrick Mahomes era, it's always been offense, offense, offense. And while they have struggled out of the gate, you know, Mahomes trying to get on the same page with those wide receivers, the defense has picked up the slack. How sustainable do you think this is? Because while there are some young pieces on this defense, there's not a lot of rookies getting a ton of snaps early on. We know Steve Spagnuolo likes to play those veterans. It almost feels like a defense that was built for Steve Spagnuolo. Nolo. Well, you know, the, uh, the the defense last year had a lot of rookies. It's amazing when you've been there before how a rookie suddenly becomes a veteran. And, uh, you know, in the secondary, being able to read things in a split second is everything. Uh, being able to know how to use your hands but not too much. Witness Joey Porter, which was, I thought, inter- uh, interference in the, one of the last plays of the game, the last play of the game, really, for Cleveland last night. 
you know, using your hands and knowing what you can get away with, those are nuances with uh, the secondary. So uh, I feel like this off, this offense uh, has a ways to go, but Watson uh, and Sky Moore, you know, and of course Travis always opening it up for them uh, and having decent protection helped. Uh, an occasional run by Patrick Mahomes, like he did with three minutes and 30 seconds left and runs 20 yards downfield, gets a first down, and then he runs to his right, stops what looks like he's going to be sacked and throws a, you know, for a 40-plus gain to Sky Moore to, to absolutely salt away the game. But the defense to me is what I'm seeing is uh, against two very good teams in Detroit and and Jacksonville. So I'm excited. Uh, Every week will be different, but um, I'm excited. The the offense, uh, some good runs by Pacheco. I I saw like a 32-yard run, and I still feel like if we only had a Christian Okoye in there, uh, a 250-pound pounding back when you do have the lead in the fourth quarter, uh, and, and those defensive players are worn out. They don't want to see somebody like that. I wish we had that option, but um, I'm excited after this game. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. I do want to bring something up, not Chiefs related, but it's something that I I think you're going to have some great input on. In the Patriots game, they were able to block a field goal, and they blocked it very easily. It was something that I have never seen before, and looking from people on Twitter, I don't think anyone in the NFL has seen before. You had a, a basically a gunner. You had the, the 10 guys lined up, and you had one guy almost on the sideline get a a full-on sprint, able to time when the snap was going to happen. And by doing this, he was able to go untouched around any of the blockers, nearly pick the kickoff directly from the from the uh, the field goal kicker's foot. It was incredible, such an easy block. And one, of course, leave it to Bill Belichick. But two, I had never seen something like this. Is this something that you think there might have to be rules in place? Are we going to see this start to get uh, <laughs> sprinkled into the NFL as this season progresses? Because doing in week two, I'm sitting here thinking, that's so smart, but also Bill Belichick, what are you doing giving away your secrets in week two? Well, uh, you've got to be able to coach for that. When you're a special teams coach, you've got to be able to tell the guys to look for that. The gunners are the guys, you've got guys on the on, on the outside, right? And, and you've got guys that are going to cover the person that's running down to cover the punt. But if that person leaves that person, it also means theoretically, that the person on the outside who's supposed to cover the punt who can leave immediately has a real shot. You can throw it to him. So I think uh, adequate coaching will take care of most of that. It'll be interesting to see, though, because I guarantee other teams will try it again here and there. And <laughs> can you imagine, and we talked about before the show, if you've got two guys running in from both sides. So you've got to be able to read that. The punter's got to be able to read that and throw it out to the wide-open player on the outside yeah it's going to be fascinating to see how this ends up playing out but again leave it to bill belichick always the special team mastermind now as we look ahead again chiefs hall of fame kicker nick lowry joining us right here as we look ahead to the chiefs taking on the chicago bears there was all of this offseason hype surrounding justin fields uh well that hype has died down dramatically but something that justin fields still can do is be an absolute danger with his legs what are you looking forward to in this upcoming game well, what I liked is I, I saw a number of plays where, uh, as an example, Jacksonville tried a play where they 
they had uh, the running back throw back across the field and they covered it. They had another, they stuffed another one uh, just because they seemed very alert to what could happen. So um, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it because they have to practice against Patrick Mahomes, who may not be as fast, but he is so elusive and he's so brilliant with how, when he chooses to. I think with a player like Justin Fields, he may have to do the running because they really don't have that kind of threat elsewhere. Um, but, you, you know, you've got to have – we've added some quickness in our linebacking crew. That's important. So, uh, with any luck, we'll do a decent job. And, and, frankly, you know, we're a better team than Chicago. But it's time for our offense to show what it can do. Now, turning it around, I've talked about 11.5 points per game on defense. But offensively, we really haven't been very dominant. So, uh, time for the offense to begin to, to kick in. And, and uh, I'm happy that, that – uh, Kadarius Tony had a, I think, about a 20, 18, 20 yard catch and run. Um, he did have a fumble. He did make sure he he recovered it. Uh, but hopefully, each week uh, he'll be that much more confident. He is a very talented person. You don't give up on somebody, especially when you remember what he did with two of the big plays in the Super Bowl. But uh, we got to see him. Um, stop the habit of of causing turnovers. Yeah, yeah. In regards to the Chiefs' wide receivers, are you nervous at all that maybe the Chiefs made a miscalculation with all of the youth and all of the unknowns in this wide receiver room, or is it still much too early to tell? Obviously, Sky Moore had a nice bounce back game through receptions, seventy yards. That touchdown uh, helped ice it away late. But in just regards to the the youth pieces, are, are you almost sitting here saying, you know what, maybe the Chiefs should have brought in a more veteran wide receiver a deandre hopkins or someone of that ilk well it just puts so much pressure on patrick so uh as i said earlier uh, last week or the week before you know we had some confidence that our offensive line is a little bit more uh, at tackle maybe a little bit better and any even just a quarter of a second more time for patrick is all he needs to to be a little bit safer and make better choices uh, but hopefully that didn't mean that we sacrificed some experience and dependability at wide receiver, which at this point, to some degree, we have. Now, we saw what happened with with losing Tariq Hill, who continues to absolutely shred the rest of the, the uh, NFL. But um, it would be nice to have a dominant receiver. It would take so much pressure off of, of Travis Kelsey. I don't think the opening loss against Detroit would have happened, even without Travis, if we'd had you know that other – uh, demanding wide receiver who takes double coverage. So uh, I am a little disappointed that they didn't sign somebody. Um, and uh, perhaps that's why on his birthday week, the Chiefs signed Patrick to an extension or at least to, upped his salary to $210 million over the next four years to get him back up where he, where he belongs, probably getting him almost certainly a lot more money up front so that that money against the cap is spread out over the length of the contract, and that creates a little bit more room for staying under the salary cap. And maybe that's their way to assuage, to use a big word, Patrick, for the pressure that's on him because he does not have, you know, the dynamic, you know, thousand-yard running back, although Pacheco could well become that. And it's great to have Edward Hilaire is very good. Neither of those guys are big, pounding running backs. And we don't have a dominant wide receiver. 
What's interesting to me is the Chiefs have helped Patrick, but in my opinion, in a different way. They didn't help him by going out and bringing in a legitimate wide receiver one, but I think they are helping him by giving him the best defense we have seen in the Patrick Mahomes era. They have spent a lot of high draft capital on the defense, including obviously, you know, Willie Gay Jr., Leo Chanel, Nick Bolton. Uh, You saw it with Trent McDuffie. They spent a whole plethora of draft picks uh, in the secondary as well as early draft picks, back-to-back first-rounders on the defensive line. I wonder if it's almost a little bit of a different approach. When you go back to what the Patriots did, it wasn't always giving Tom Brady these uh, just incredible wide receivers. A lot of it was, hey, let's give Tom Brady some great defensive players, some great defensive uh, pieces, so that way he doesn't have to go out and score 35 a game. You score 20, you're going to have a good chance to win. I wonder if this is almost a shift in philosophy for Kansas City. I'm imagining that there were more than a couple conversations with Spagnola, with Spag, saying, you know what, sorry about this year, but next year we're going to take care of you. Because the bottom line, with a great defense, not just a good defense, with a great defense, you're always in the game. You're never more than a couple scores away. And, uh, you know, that economics, or if you will, the mathematics of that, may actually make it more dependable that you're always in the game. And as long as we're in the game, I mean, everybody can remember being down by 10 points, being down by 20-something points in the playoffs in that first Super Bowl season, knowing that we can find a way. Um, but the receivers have to continue to get more in sync with Patrick, and the offensive line still got to give him the time. I'd feel a lot better. Uh, to me, the, the big missing piece is if we can run and literally look at the – other team and not be too cute and say, we're going to run right at you. It's what Marty Schoenheimer loved. We're going to run right at you. You know, we're going to run at you and you can't do a thing about it. Chiefs Hall of Fame kicker Nick Lowry joining us right here. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Now, before we start looking at the El Bandito Yankee player of the game, who you think you're going to pick for the Chiefs and Bears this upcoming weekend, I want to give a shout-out and, and pour a shot-out for my guy, my Mizzou kicker, Harrison Mevis, the thicker kicker, drilling a 60. 60- Another Harrison. There we go, a 61-yarder. 61-yarder, the longest in SEC history. Have to give a shout-out to the thicker kicker. Uh, I do want to ask you this. How big of a difference is it kicking in college compared to kicking in the NFL? Because very rarely do you see these 55-plus yarders in college. Obviously, we know NFL is the cream of the crop. It's the best of the best. But seeing a guy in college make and drill a 61-yarder as time expires to win it, I thought was just incredible. There was a time uh, back in the day when you had a bunch of kickers from from Texas and from that conference where uh, they were kicking lots of 63-yarders and 65-yarders, Russell Erksleben, for instance, Tony Franklin. Uh, But uh, they were allowed to bring in their own practice balls. And in the NFL now, and Jan Stenard keeps telling me to tell people this, uh, I'm saying you're you're in the NFL Hall of Fame, buddy. You can you can say it, but the, <laughs> the balls are broken in now. So the you know it's like a, anybody that played baseball, when you have a new mitt, you got to put linseed oil in there. You got to rough it up. You got to break it in. And a new football is is not going to go as far, somewhere between five and seven yards less than a broken in football. So that helps. But the other thing is in college, and this I believe was the case for the 61 yarder, it's from a wider hash mark. Yeah. So it's, it's considerably farther. That was really a 64 yard field goal. If you, I think if you add in the extra distance, at least a couple yards farther. So a, a incredible kick. 
And uh, his team didn't do him any favors by, I think they had a penalty before that. So. Yeah, the delay a game. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, as a Mizzou alum here, uh, Nick, I, I, was, I was yelling at my TV saying, get out there. What, what is going on? Coach, it's not a timeout. It's just a first down. You got to get the, the, the kicker out there. Didn't happen. Mevis just, I guess, wanted to get the, uh, the all-time SEC record. We'll, we'll go with that to make myself feel better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, when you win a game at the end, uh, it does so much. It's, uh, I, I'm sorry to bring up a sore point, but when the Royals, and I was a pitcher in college, when the Royals had a 100-mile-an-hour relief pitcher and they had a 100-mile-an-hour middle relief pitcher and they had 100-mile-an-hour starting pitchers, and, and not only that, they were good pitchers, uh, and they could close out games when they were ahead in the ninth inning. The great teams could do that. When you lose a game, conversely, at the end of the game that you think you're going to win, it really damages your confidence. When you lose two or three or four games, in this case in baseball, it just can crush you, right? Well, if you win a game that you thought you were going to lose, it does the reverse. It, it gives you a sense that every play in that game matters, and if you stick with it, you can find a way. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs have learned that from, you know, arguably the most dynamic quarterback in the history of the game, certainly one of them. And, and what's great about Patrick, it's he's humble. Patrick, if you're listening, stay humble. We love you, brother. Stay humble and hungry because you are such a blessing to this community and to the National Football League. Uh, Nick Lowry joining us right here, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Now time for one of my favorite things we do. That is hand out our El Bandito Yankee player of the game. Who are you predicting is going to stand out for the Chiefs against the Chicago Bears? All right, so I'm going to have a little fun with this. Kadarius Tony. I think Kadarius Tony is going to have at least one touchdown and at least four catches, two for decent yardage. Uh, he'll have at least 75 yards receiving and at least one touchdown, and he'll get back to the Kadarius Tony that we know and love. Uh, frankly, uh, the Chicago defense is going to worry about Justin Watson, a couple big catches, Sky Moore. Um, you know, the, the Kadarius Tony factor has been muted a little bit. And I think maybe he's going to break out this game. So I'm going to go with that. And it, we're going to break out perhaps the new Anejo because El Bandito Yankee Tequila, the offices are in Bloomington, Illinois. And, and we have Chris Chelios, Hockey Hall of Famer, as our co-founder with Jim Bob Morris. So uh, we want to show up to make sure those guys can walk tall in downtown Chicago by beating these guys with a drum. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. And can't wait to try the new Ebendito Yankee tequila. Again, if you guys have not tried it, make sure you go out and get it. It is absolutely incredible. So incredibly smooth. It doesn't have that horrendous bite that a lot of tequila has. Again, it is so smooth. Make sure you pick some up at your local high vee That is El Bandito Yankee tequila. Nick Lowry, always an absolute pr- uh, pleasure. Great having you on. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. Take a quick break. Come back. Sports Radio 810 WHB. Welcome back to the home stretch. ESPN Kansas City. Dylan, my back hurts so bad. And I wish I could make some sort of pun like I was carrying my basketball team on my back last night, but that truthfully was not the case. I was I was fine. I was I was okay. But uh 
I play one game of basketball at the age of 29 now, and my body just says, what the bleep are you doing, guy? You have throw pillows at home. You you don't move the way you used to. You read books now before bed, okay? You no longer go out to the bars. Bars for you means you go out to a uh, establishment that you has food first and drink second, okay? That That's where I'm at in life now. And so I played basketball at 9.30 last night. My back now at 3.45 the next day is still locked. Feels like I was a weightlifting champion. Feels like I just did a whole bunch of deadlifts. I did nothing of the sort. I also got racked twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You see that face, that oof that, that Dylan just gave? Yeah, it's not great. Um, trash talking a little bit with a guy, as one does in men's league basketball at 930, of course. And uh, I had the ball. Tried to do a little crossover. His hand got uh, got a ball. Wasn't the basketball. And at that point, when you're trash talking in the men's league, and that happens, me and him both just stopped after the ref called a uh, a foul and said, and we both just kind of laughed and were like, "All right, we should probably pump the brakes just a little bit, okay? Let's not do that again." And then it happened once more. I was trying to get a rebound, trying to start a fast break. Went up, took a weird hop off the rim. Came, you know, when you think it's going to hit the rim, you, I'm trying to Dennis Rodman it. I'm trying to see which way it's going to go off of the off the backboard, off the rim here. I mean, I'm trying to fly in like I'm Russell Westbrook, trying to pad my stats. Came off the the rim, not the way I thought it was going to. Straight down, family jewels, round two, uh, and then I now have a hurt back as well. So that's how my night playing basketball went. How was your night, Dylan? Uh, a lot better than that. Yeah, a lot better. Yeah. Didn't have that at. We got the win, though. We're, we're still in the playoff hunt. Did you win? We did. Sounds like you lost. We did win. You, the team won. The team won. Yeah. Team that, won. That's that's always good. That's why I don't do the pickup or men's league basketballs. Is, is it, It's just even the, the, the runs at my gym I don't even get involved in because there's always one person that makes you regret it, usually, or just is like, Taking it way too seriously. I uh, see. I'm competitive though, and I like men's league's fun because it's a good level of competitiveness. Everyone's on the same page. We're not pro, we're not college. No, but a lot of us played in high school, right? So you still have a little bit of that fire, not drawing that plays, juice, right? No, our okay. team is not. But there have been a couple teams that that's we've played saying. against. That's what you're saying is fine. That like that's yeah, getting the competitive juices flowing, getting them out. You know, our plays are hey, steam. we're we're gonna pick, yeah, enroll. Thank but you. not exactly. really. They're Emotion they're going to all be pick and pops. Exactly. They're all pick and pops. If you think we're rolling, you're out of your mind. That's extra work. We're picking and popping defensively. <laughs> you think we're not going to switch everything? That's a great. You point. better believe. I don't care. If I'm getting switched on a Hell, six six zone. eight dude. No, we can't go zone. I know you can't. That's no, that's, you, you that's can't too go soft. Zone, but man, it'd be nice. Probably actually get like more out of us, but. I'm yeah, not. I'm not Syracuse. Okay, we're not. We're not. We're not Syracuse over here. We're not running this two-three zone with two six-six dudes up top. To be honest, it's probably the best defense to run in a pickup basketball game because no one can shoot. And we we'll see that's the difference. We, our team, we're we're just a whole bunch of out of shape dudes for the most part, but we can shoot. We're typically one of the highest scoring teams because all we are are a team of shooters. Okay, I don't know why you're looking. Y- y- your face just was one of disgust. That's my phone just. 
freezes. Oh, and I was assuming that you didn't just you just didn't believe when that it's we cracked could shoot. so bad on the back that you can see inside of the phone. Oh, that's nails. That's a good call. Mm-hmm. That's a good look. It's the same green thirteen that you have. Just yeah, yeah, definitely has gone through it a lot more. You know, I'm assuming that crack came from you being at a bar some at some point. Yeah, I have no idea because this is an otter box. You have no idea the, because you had a couple of adult beverages. That's that's <laughs> no. why you have no idea. I I don't think that's the case because again, look, it's an it's in an otter box. Now this might be the worst live read for otter box they've ever had in their life, but it is shattered on the backside of this wallet, which is, is the only it? reason I got it. Because I wanted the wallet. Did you drop it first and then throw it on? Because that's not how no. cases work, Dylan. No, I, again, no idea how this happened. I don't doubt that you have no idea how it happened. Again, the adult. Stick, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I've, I've broken my phone many a way. A lot of the times, a it's drink or two is involved. Self- Self-inflicted. I still remember when Mike Moustakis against the Angels hit that home run in the was it the top of the tenth inning or top of the ninth, whatever that was. Yeah. Um, yep. I broke my phone one time. Then I was in college and I was jumping around at a bar. I did have a couple of beverages. Again, the alcohol had nothing to do with it, but I did have a couple of adult beverages in me. Um, it's probably twenty. No, I was I was twenty one. Twenty adult. Oh, oh I, I was totally twenty one years old. Your age. There's no chance I would have had a fake idea. I said 20 Come adult on, I'm gonna. I, you know, I first sip when I was twenty one. Come on now, we, we we. It's a family show. We're an adult adult, adult program over here. Mm. But I was jumping up and down in exuberance, and my phone flew out of my pocket and just absolutely shattered. But in that moment, I thought, you know what, it was worth it. That is a tribute to the Moose, helping the Royals get past the. Anaheim Angels. Yeah. I mean, you also don't have a case. No, I'm noticed. not a case guy. I, yes. Not a case guy. So, My, my thought process is, is why am I paying for Apple Care if I'm not going to live life on the edge? Let, let it ride. I need to check if I have Apple Care because I probably should. You know what I do? I go to the casino. I play roulette. I don't put it on, on, on black or red. I put it on green, baby. And guess what? I say let it ride. Let it ride. Let it ride. Unlike Russell Wilson, who needs to stop all rides because uh, that's a ride that you want to uh, get off of. Hey, who's worse? Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson? Uh, I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. Mm, I would agree. Because of the guarantees and even just the fact that, you know. Contracts, everything I have, just as far as play, I, I, both are buns. But, dude, I think I'm taking Russ. Deshaun Watson. Well, look- corny off the field, I will take that. Versus yes. the other side. Yes, I very astute point there, Dylan. <laughs> very astute. Yeah, no one's going to challenge me on that, I don't think. I, I think that's a widely accepted viewpoint. All right, Tua Tagovailoa is listed as the favorite to win NFL MVP on a lot of betting sites. Do you believe in Tua Tagovailoa's start to this season through the first two games? Uh, I think this is what he did last year, right? Yeah, until he got hurt, yeah, exactly. he was great. So we'll see. I I believe that this is his capable, like his ability or his not ceiling, but if when he's healthy, this is how he should look. How he was kind of sold to us as before he was drafted. It was it was really just the injuries at Alabama that really kind of pushed him down. Yeah, and I think that was the Burrow draft. Yes, it was. So, and then Burrow having that season on top of it doesn't help. So, yeah, I, I thought, mean, it's crazy because what maybe a year ago, two, 
you'd say the Chargers made the right decision. Sure. And now it's kind of like, well, now it's a little closer. Well, and I still do. And and this is what I find myself having to. Let me know your thoughts, because I think Justin Herbert's more talented than Tua Tagovailoa. But I also think if you put Tua in the opposite, if you put Herbert in Miami, I don't think that he would do as good as Tua's doing down there. Although I also don't think Tua would do as good in San Diego as Herbert has done. Although they obviously San Diego hasn't done a, the Chargers have not done a ton compared to what they should have. I know the Rams are still in St. Louis. Okay, uh, Baltimore is uh, still the Colts. So my point is, Tua Tagovailoa does what he does very well, which is doesn't do more than is asked of him. He's not Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. Not Lamar Jackson. What he does is he has great receivers, a great offensive game plan, and he gets the ball out quicker than anyone in the NFL. With Tom Brady now retired, two was the new next in line for getting the ball out quick. He gets the ball out to his playmakers and lets those guys step up and make plays. And that, to me, is huge. Like, you're telling me if Justin Herbert was down there, Herbert wouldn't wouldn't do something different, maybe try and make uh, a play happen that he maybe shouldn't? You tell me that Herbert wouldn't just check the ball down to his running back 13 times again down there in Miami? I mean, Tua does a great job, and I think it's time to give him a little bit more credit. I think, I think quite frankly, it's very easy to rip on Tua as far as oh, he's a game manager. But I think sometimes game, game managers get gets a, a bad reputation. I, I know you're kind of laughing right now, but Tua does what he needs to do and for the most part, keeps the ball out of harm's way. I know he's a couple interceptions already this year. But but the point is, I think Tua and Miami are a perfect match. If I were betting right now, I, I would probably put money on Tua to win MVP. What was his odds before the season? I don't know. Uh, I didn't have it in front of me. Because I remember we were looking at Trevor Lawrence, 1,600. And we thought That's it was solid. a little tantalizing. And, and, you know, it was a good start until he faced the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Hashtag elite, baby. Hashtag elite. I'm praying. I, that You know what? Every night when you're by your bedside praying, pray that this Chiefs defense is real. I like calling it a Chiefs. A, a Chiefense? The Chief, it, did you come up with that? No. Oh, wow. I, I was, would love to take credit. I was trying I to give you some credit over here, and you're just... Roasted. Who came up with it? I don't know. I, I think Briscoe, maybe. Okay. Well, we'll have to ask him. Next time we have Briscoe on, I'm going to say, did you come up with the Chiefs? I, I had more thoughts. He'll thought- know. I know he'll know. I had more thoughts on Tua, and I want to bring it up tomorrow because I think there's an interesting case to make of who's the like top five best and who's playing at a top five level. And We'll get into that more tomorrow. This is the home stretch here at ESPN Kansas City. Until then, we are out.